to be here. Gl glad that you are with us and that you were able to have that opportunity to watch. We're glad for the live stream and the, uh, yes, we are glad for the live stream and the, the, um, what is the, I can't even think of the word. The archive is the word that I'm looking for. Uh, but if you're ever wanting to, uh, if you're ever wanting to watch a message again, you can go back to the archive and there it is. Or if you are out of town at any point, you can certainly check out our live stream and we are, yeah, we're, we are live. So glad that you're here. Um, the, the first Sunday of the month, the first Sunday of the year is coming up soon. So first Sunday meal will be next Sunday. Dr. Tatum will be here with us, so make sure that you are here and uh, participating with us. You'll get a call about that, but but just remember. Um, also, remember that normally we, um, at the beginning of the year, we start out our year with some type of fasting. So I'd like for you to consider uh, through this week, just think about some things that perhaps you would like to, to fast to dedicate the beginning of the year to the Lord. Um, it, it is an idea of, again, dedication, and we've done all this feasting. It's been eating season for the past couple of months, but but we come into the new year uh, with a new mindset, you know, asking the Lord to give us direction and, uh, and, ha and saying, Lord, I I'll sacrifice for the purpose of receiving from you. And and that can be anything. It doesn't have to be just food. But if you're looking to give up uh, a habit that you have, you know, this is a perfect opportunity to to start with that. Uh, to give up if you're if you're stuck on social media or your phone is a, an issue for you. It's a great time to give up that. It's a you know anything uh, anything at all that is important to you that that could keep you from getting closer to the Lord it's a an opportunity to do that so we'll have some different things up on the church website um, different um, devotionals if you're interested you know just click on there if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone then it'll be easy to just click on those and and uh, start a Bible reading plan for those 21 days and and just again getting closer to the Lord and and receiving from him um any other things and different things in the works uh starting next week is we're starting right back in our shoe boxes so if you if you want to save up some some pennies and we had enough last year oh thank you so very much again we had enough last year from everybody donating that we only needed three or four more dollars to get our shoe boxes done also if you're uh, wanting if all you can bring is a shoe box if you got lots of shoes for christmas bring a shoe box and uh, we'll we'll send those on. And the the item for the month of January is uh, warm items. So hats, scarves, gloves, anything like that. So keep those things in mind. I've already gotten my hats if I can remember to bring them. So um, I hope that everyone had a great Christmas. And sometimes I, I don't know, not usually with me, but sometimes I, I guess when when you get things. Maybe you opened all your presents and you look around and you're a little bit disappointed because you didn't get all you wanted or you didn't get exactly what you wanted and you look, oh, oh my goodness. But uh, or some people just get so very much that how can you be disappointed? But but the thing is with the Lord, there is no disappointment because when we realize that the gifts He gives are always good, 
that every good and perfect gift comes down from Him. That we can be grateful for all that He provides for us day after day. So, uh, no disappointment with the Lord. Amen. Let's stand and go to the Lord in prayer. Ask Him to have His will in the service. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your goodness, Your mercy, Your blessings and grace. God, I thank You and I praise You that You have given us life and life more abundantly. God, I thank You that You sent Your only Son God, not only to die for us, but to live as an example for us, that we can see what it's like to live a sinless life, and, and that we can, we can follow his example to give and to honor you in all that we do. Father God, I, I just thank you and I praise you that you were willing to sacrifice him, and that he was willing to come down to leave the glory of heaven and to be our sinless sacrifice. God, I thank you and I praise you that he rose again for our victory, that we can have victory over sin, that we don't have to, to be slaves to sin anymore. God, we're grateful. We're thankful. Lord, I thank you for this place that we have to gather. Lord, that we are able to come together with our church family and lift up your holy name and bless you. God, I just ask that you have your will and your way in each and every life. God, for each person who is here, you know those who came in with burdens. You know those who came in physically, mentally, spiritually hurting, and I just ask that that you lift them up for everyone who's watching online for whatever reason that they can't be here for for if they're having physical needs if they're out of town God I just pray your blessings and your help on them right now God we give you all praise and honor and glory for all that you are going to do we thank you in advance in Jesus precious name amen thank you Lord thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus
when my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows, you win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees when my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You fight our battles, God. Thank you. Jesus, we praise your holy name. When darkness tries to roll over my bones, when sorrow comes to steal the joy I own, when brokenness and pain is all I know, I won't be shaken. No, I won't be shaken. Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. No, my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. And my fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Shame no longer has a place to hide. I am not a captive to the lies. I'm not afraid to leave my past behind. No, I won't be shaken. Oh, I won't be shaken. Cause my fear doesn't stand a chance when I 
Cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph My God will never fail My God will never fail I'm gonna see your victory I'm gonna see your victory For the battle belongs to you, Lord I'm gonna see your victory. I'm gonna see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Every war he wages, he will win. So I'm not backing down from any giant. Cause I know how this story ends. Yes, I know how my story ends. And I'm gonna see your victory. I'm gonna see 
of victory for the battle belongs to you lord i'm gonna see your victory i'm gonna see your victory for the battle belongs to you lord oh i'm gonna see your victory i'm gonna see your victory for the battle belongs to you lord i'm gonna see your victory i'm gonna see your victory for the battle belongs to you lord you take you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good you turn it for good you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it
one that we would ask when we get to glory would be Joseph. Oh, the enemy meant it for evil. God meant it for good. Uh, others in the scripture that were type of Christ. It looks like the the battle is bad, and <laughs> but the battle belongs to God. Hallelujah. Jehoshaphat, no need to fight is what God said to him. No need to fight in this battle. Glory. Oh, his instructions were go out and just sing and worship and praise the Lord. And God gave the victory. Boy, I'm feeling good in my sanctified soul this morning. Hallelujah. Allow me to take a moment for the time that we usually take later for uh, offering opportunity to testify just before we receive an offering. Uh, Brother Mike and Sister Dean both are not feeling well at all, and so I'm, I'm filling in for him. I hope that I can do as good a job as he does for receiving the offering. In fact, wouldn't it be good if we just do double today and show Brother Mike up a little bit? Amen. Are you watching, Brother Mike? <laughs> Hallelujah. And those of you that are watching, we love you. We appreciate you a bunch and a pile and look forward to seeing you soon. Amen. Amen. But isn't God good? And this is the time that we receive gifts normally, I suppose. Everybody receives gifts around Christmas time. And it may be that somebody opens a gift and then across the room someone says, that's, that's so uh, mine. But uh, it don't happen a lot, but um, it could happen. But I want to tell you, there's a gift given every day, and that's the gift of the love of God. Is whew, Somebody jump over the church with the preacher. Hallelujah, the gift of the love of God. For God so loved me that he gave Jesus that I can have life eternal. Amen and amen. And I am thankful this morning for the breath of life that I breathe. To wake up in the morning and, and be refreshed after rest and, and breathe and say thank you, Lord. Because the Word of God teaches us that that breath belongs to God. He has our breath in his hand. Thank you, Lord, for giving me breath. Thank you, Lord, for giving me blessing every day. In fact, uh, David pointed it out that God daily loadeth us with benefits, 68 and 19. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing? Daily loadeth us with benefits. I thank him for good health, and it's getting better all the time. One day I may be 100%. Praise God. I'm looking forward to that day when it's 100%. And, uh, and I can work three jobs. Not going to, but, but, <laughs> but I could. Amen. Oh, God is so good to me. And I praise him. I praise him for our uh, family, our kids, every one of our kids. I, I consider it a, 
a God-given blessing that he's given me the children that I have, and they're wonderful, they're blessed, they're great. And uh, so many other things that God's done for me. And he does it day by day, Brother Vic. Day by day, his blessings are real. And one of the writers said, they are renewed. Renewed. Thank you, Lord, for renewing blessing and restoring. Oh, glory, jump over the church with me. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. And if you couldn't be here today for sickness or whatever you're watching, our prayers are with you, and we'll receive those prayers and requests in a little bit and pray. But I thank God for his love. Now, somebody else, maybe you've got a particular uh, reason to stand up and brag on Jesus this morning. Anybody? Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, glory. Bless your heart. Amen. How great. How great. Amen. Oh, Lord. Boy, don't we know it would be awful if he hadn't changed us. And where would we be? Anybody else? You got to. Praise. Amen, sister. Yes. Bless you. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, he's good, isn't he? Hallelujah. I'll tell you, God truly is good, and he's deserving of our praise. Every day we need to praise him. Now, we want to take a moment to worship God in our giving, and uh, we appreciate all that you do for God and his cause. He is good, and he's given us all that we have. And now, at this point, he just asks for us to follow his instructions, to pay our tithe, and to give in our offerings because we love him. Father, how great it is today that we're able to be in your house and we worship you. God, we worship you. And we worship you now in our gift giving. Father, it is our pleasure to give to you because we love you. Father, thank you for all that we have. It is a blessing that you have granted to each of us. And now, Lord, in the, in the financial part of it, we share and we give back. And we try to be great stewards of that money and that that you've given us. Now, Lord, receive our love gift today with thanksgiving and blessing. Lord, may it be spread abroad to do more than it's meant to do. And, Father, we give you glory for all that is accomplished. Well, we ask it in Jesus' lovely name. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God.
you this morning. Good morning to those watching. Brother Mike, Sister Dean, I hope you get to feeling better. Anybody else? Time now to receive prayer requests this morning. Sister Hager. Definitely pray for Sister Hager's unspoken request. Brother Mike. We'll continue to pray for Brother Mike's family. Yes. Sister, unspoken request. Brother Vic, let's remember Vicky. Yes, sir. Gretchen. Yes, definitely pray for Pop-Pop's back. I want to pray for my mom. She's not feeling very well. was with her yesterday. She just needs a touch from the Lord. Just pray for her and the rest of my family. Anyone else? If not, raise hands for unspoken requests. Stand with me as we take these to the Lord, please.
Thank you. It's now time to fellowship.
you are here. Hope you had a great Christmas time and uh, that you are, you know, as long as you choose to <laughs> celebrate. I was talking to Shane and Grace yesterday that um, that some people celebrate uh, old Christmas and so it's the 12 days of Christmas technically start on Christmas and then it's 12 days later that they celebrate old Christmas. So if you do that or if uh if we're ten o'clock at night, you're putting your Christmas stuff away. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> Gigi posted on Instagram, and it was like decorations, everything beautiful, Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Swipe over, everything gone. <laughs> She's like, peace out, Christmas. <laughs> Here comes the new year. <laughs> so, I said, wow, that's amazing. And he's like, pay you to come tomorrow. Um, <laughs> whoo, bless us. But no, we are, we're glad for Christmas, we're glad for Jesus, thank you so very much, and we're glad for the, the possibility of a new year. I mean, G hey, if he wants to come between now and, uh, and December 31st, that's fine, but if he tarries, then we're thankful for a new year as well. So today, we're continuing in our series, Use Your Words, and we saw in Scripture a couple of weeks ago how God's creative word can bring something beautiful out of the void. Then we learned uh, two weeks ago from Gideon that God sees us not as we are, but as we can be. But we have the choice whether or not to believe that that's who we are. Because God sees us a certain way, but we can argue back with him just like Gideon did. So we have that choice to, to use our words to believe or to use our words for negativity. So today we begin to think about how we use the words with ourselves. Now, this is going to be participatory, just to let you know. If you're watching, then we want your participation as well. You know, we can feel it from, you know, just uh, in, <laughs> in our spirits that, that you're participating with us. So, I'm looking at you, people watching. You, you, right where you are, if you're in your living room or kitchen or, or sitting on the bed, whatever it is, participate with us today. And I really, I, Lord, please help Brother Mike and Sister Dean, but a, a few weeks ago, Brother Mike was talking about Romans chapter 8, which is where we are today, and I really was hoping that he would be here, but, uh, but if you're watching, Brother Mike, here we go. Uh, there's a lot in Romans chapter 8, so it's going to be difficult to touch on each and everything. It, it would take weeks to get through every single theological and doctrinal point in, in Romans chapter 8, but there's a lot here that tells us about who we are. So each of us at one time or another in our lives will make the journey of self-discovery. Some people took that trip but didn't get very far. We all know those who are not very self-aware. If you're in the room or if you're watching and you're not very self-aware, Lord help you help us all. <laughs> um, 
Or maybe you, you took that journey and you started looking and you didn't really like what you saw. But then some people, they don't like who they are, but they make no effort to change. And they just get stuck. Well, this is who I am. This is me. Well, that's not an excuse for bad attitude, but um, because the Lord can help you overcome that. So self-discovery is important for some of us the journey is long and it's you know because I, f- I think that through the power of Jesus uh, we can change some people think you know people don't change and, and they don't without God's help but as we get closer and closer to the Lord as we develop in our relationship with him then we do change I believe so that journey of self-discovery is uh, is different and, and it takes a long time coming to terms with the fact that Every self-help quiz all says the same thing. Reliable, loyal, responsible. I'm like a German shepherd or a, or a golden retriever. That's uh, typically the type of, you know, when I take those what dog are you quiz, that's what I normally get. Um, <laughs> I'm being for real. That's not even a joke. It's always that um, that idea of being loyal, being reliable, I guess. That's, you know, you want, when when you're thinking about yourself, you want to be exciting or you want to be fun-loving or whatever, And but when you say, what would your closest friends say about you? Loyal. <laughs> yeah. It's, it can be good. Being okay with the fact that you may never be artistic or be able to whistle. Gracie, where are you? Or good at directions. Um, you may never be able to accomplish those things and being okay with that. Some are still searching for identity, looking in all the wrong places, asking all the wrong influencers, do you know who I am? That's the, the title today, Do You Know Who I Am? And don't we, if, if it's good, then we'll keep doing it. I don't know, we'll see. Um... Do you know who I am? Now, sometimes when when there are celebrities or or people who fancy themselves famous, you know, oh, well, do you do you not know who I am? You know, they want special treatment because they're fancy, because they're in their mind, they're special. But sometimes we ask this question, do you know who I am? We ask it of ourselves more people who don't really know us. Do you know who I am? But today we want to examine what Paul told the church in Rome about identity. So before we begin, we're going to Romans chapter 8, and you can start turning there, and we'll start with verse 11. But before we, before we get into that, I want to address a couple of the doctrines that are mentioned here. The first one that we'll see, foreknowledge. It means to know beforehand. God exists outside of time. We talked about this in our class Wednesday night. And God exists not as we think of linear time, but He exists outside of time. He is currently in the past. He sees everything. He knows how it's all working together. 
He is right here with me today, right this very second, in this moment. But he's also in the future, and that's how he knows how everything's going to work out. That's how he can speak to someone to prophesy and know that it will come to pass because he's already there. He's already called it so. So he, he exists outside of time. So the idea that God has foreknowledge is just, to us, we can't really understand how he knew me beforehand, <laughs> but he does. And there's also within this uh, passage the doctrine of predestination. Now this one means to mark, bound, appoint, or decree in advance. Some people are kind of afraid of this doctrine. We get this idea that predestination means that there are some who are, there. these people are the only ones who are going to be saved. And those other people, tough for them. If that's the truth, then all the rest of God's word is void because it says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but would come to repentance. Uh, so, so when God sent his only son, he wouldn't have sent him for everybody, for the whosoever's. He would have just said, okay, well, Amanda can get saved, but Shane can't. So sorry, Shane, you're never going to hear about it. Uh, Amanda, you can hear about Jesus. So that's the idea when we think about predestination that that um, there are only some who can because again the Lord said to uh, to Paul inspired uh, excuse me inspired Peter to write um, that God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance he is he's long suffering the reason that he hasn't come back yet is because he's giving everyone the opportunity to hear about Jesus and have the opportunity to be saved. So this idea of predestination is not exactly the way that some have taught it, in my humble opinion. So some have thought, well, this eliminates the idea of free will. All who are predetermined to be saved will be, therefore we're not free beings. Not so. Of course, because God exists outside of time, and this is why we don't understand it, because God exists outside of time, he already knows in the future all those who will trust him for salvation. He already sees. He already knows them. So he understands that just because he's God and knows all things. But he sent his son to die for all. If you are here today, if you're watching today, You've been marked for service. You have been, you have been predestined to serve. Okay? It is your choice whether or not to accept that destination. I can, I can type in something in my GPS and say, this is where I think I'm headed, but I have the choice whether or not to follow that destination. Okay, so it's predestined for for me to be saved, but I have a choice whether or not I'm going to be. God wants everyone to be. So, again, if we if we need to cover that again, but I don't want to get too bogged down in, in doctrine right this second, because I do want us to understand what Paul is saying here, but we can discuss it further if necessary. So, looking 
in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 11, it says, But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. So the power of resurrection is in us. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And just as a, a bonus, I want to, what? This is a bonus. I'm going to read Shane's, one of Shane's favorite verses in 18. It says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us. So, again, participating. And y'all know me. This is not this is not my normal jam. So understand that. Understand that this is something that we really need to get in our in our hearts and our spirits. So, everyone, if you will, please say, "I am a child of God." Okay, so if you're writing down points, here we go. Point number one, I am a child of God. Who am I? Do you know who I am? Number one, I am a child of God. Because the thing is, if we don't use the words on ourselves, if we don't use our words, then we will very easily get tossed around. We will not be led by the Spirit. We'll be led by our feelings, and those change. But here Paul is saying, the spirit that resurrected Jesus is in you. Therefore, you are now under no obligation to live out what the flesh wants. You don't have to sin. And this is not a this is not a condemnation because in, in verse one it says there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So this is not a condemnation of shame on you if you do sin. This is a, a time of rejoicing. You are under no obligation to sin. Because before, when you weren't led by the Spirit, you were under the obligation to sin. You were a slave to sin. You were a slave to your flesh. You were a slave to what the, the body wanted to do, what the enemy wanted you to do. But here Paul is giving encouragement. You're, you're under no obligation anymore to sin. That's done. He says that the, the flesh, that's the human nature or the body. He says that if you want to live, in order to live in a spiritual sense, but also a, a physical sense eventually, we must mortify. And this word means to kill. We must mortify the practice of our fleshly desires. He says if you want to keep living right, you've got to kill those things that the flesh wants. But good news, you're under no obligation to do what the flesh wants, so it's going to be it's going to be something that you are able to do. 
It says that when we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, we are led into a relationship with the Father. So the Holy Spirit, where would he lead us? Think about that. Where are you being led? Because when the Spirit is leading us, He's going to lead us into righteousness. He's going to lead us into doing the things of God, into helping people, encouraging them. He's going to lead us into situations that will that we can be an encourager. He's going to lead us into places that we should be going. So examining that, are you being led by the Spirit? Paul here makes the distinction you are no longer bound by fear. The spirit of fear has no place in our lives when we belong to God. This type of fear means alarm, fright, or terror. When there is fright within our hearts, when there is worry and concern, Paul is saying, you're not bound by that. You don't have to be bound by that. Because the resurrection power of Jesus is in you. He said, you don't have to be afraid that you'll sin again. Because I think that sometimes when we have that, Lord help me, when, when I have that legalistic idea in my heart, I'm afraid, oh God, I've got to stay away from this because what if I sin and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to upset you and you're not going to love me anymore. And so we begin to fear. Oh, I can't, oh goodness, if I do that, then, then God's going to be disappointed and he's going to be upset. And, and how can I? And that terror is within us. But Paul says, no, you're a child of God. You've received the spirit of adoption. You have been made a child. The idea that Paul is expressing here is a Roman legal concept. In Rome, a child was chosen for the purpose of carrying on the family name and inheriting the estate. Once a child was adopted in the Roman culture, that child lost all rights to his or her former family. They forget about the old family. They forget about the old life. They have no more, no more connection with who they used to be. They gain all rights of the new family. They gain the name. They gain the family history. Every part of that family encompasses that child. The past, along with debts, crimes, any other issues, could never count against the adopted child, according to Roman law. So if that child was chosen to carry on the name and adopted into the family it didn't matter what their past was it could never be held against them ever again so Paul is speaking to those in Rome and saying something that they would very easily understand that that idea of adoption is not just oh yeah you you need a home come on in it is you are mine and whatever you've done it doesn't matter anymore you don't ever have to think about it again. And so when we consider this, that spirit of adoption, 
Our adoption has not made us less than, for through the Spirit we are able to come to the Father as Abba. We're able to come before God as Dad. Not to say, not to, to feel as though we are less than, but to come into His presence requesting anything that we would of a natural parent. As a child of God, I am a joint heir with Christ. This, too, is a Roman concept. In Jewish culture, the older son would receive a double portion of the father's wealth. He would receive the family blessing, and all the other children under them would receive a lesser blessing, would receive a lesser inheritance. However, Paul is calling us a joint heir, a participant in common because in Rome according to Roman culture again those he was speaking to here all children are alike whether they were natural born children or whether they were adopted children they all received the same inheritance so Jesus is our older brother but the blessings that he has received are not greater than the blessings we receive because we are joint heirs with Christ so anything that Christ my brother has, I can have too. We'll skip over a few verses because, again, there's so, so much here. And I thought, oh, my golly, there's just a ton. But skip over a few verses and starting in verse 23. Verses 23 through 30 say, And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves, ourselves grown within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body for we are saved by hope but hope that is not excuse me that is seen is not hope for what a man seeth why doth he yet hope for but if we hope for that which we see not then do we with patience wait for it Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. So the second thing, the second point, what I want you to say speaking these words I am known and chosen I am known and chosen when the spirit lives in our hearts we groan inwardly to be with the Lord I don't know if you've ever experienced that <laughs> not that I don't love everybody around here but Jesus if you could just come back that'd be great Lord if I could just go ahead and be with you as quickly as possible that'd be that'd be fine because the, in the verses previous, it talks about all nature groaning to, to have the redemption 
that it be returned to the, its original state because everything now is is working toward an end but creation groans oh can you just come back jesus <laughs> but that spirit within us cries out it groans that we that we go to be with our heavenly father we groan inwardly my body my spirit long for heaven also the benefit of the indwelling of the spirit is that when we have no words he communicates to God on our behalf. So here Paul is telling us, telling the Romans, but by them as well telling us, that all things, all things are working together for good. The word good here means benefit, useful, excellent, he says, all things are working together for our good if we, two different things, love God. This is the word agapeo, which is from the, the God love, agape. This is not merely in the sense of, I know who God is and I love him. He said, God's a great guy, just love him. Yeah, of course I know God. Because there are so many in this world who, sure, they know God. And they'll say, oh, thank you, God. And they'll acknowledge who God is, but they don't love him with that agapeo, that choice type of love. Because agapeo is different. It's a different type of love in the Greek than just a, a phileo. Like, yeah, that's a good guy. He's my buddy. He's my friend. Yeah, I love him just because. But agape or agapeo love means that I'm making the choice day by day to love God and to do what would please him to show my love not because of an obligation to him but because I love him this this idea of following his directions just pours out so if we love God all things are working for our good and if we are called this word means invited appointed and meaning specifically as a saint oh golly <laughs> that's that's a hard task but we are called to purpose this was really interesting as i was studying this it's very strange because it says all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to purpose. Now, this word purpose in Acts and the epistles is used as the word purpose every time we see it in, in Acts. I think it's one time in Acts and then throughout the epistles the word is purpose. But the same exact Greek word used by the gospel writers and in the book of Hebrews is the word showbread. Now this is really interesting. The showbread was, well, of course, in the, in the Old Testament and also at the beginning of the New Testament when the temple was still in, uh, was, was built and they were doing all the sacrifices the idea of, of showbread are 12 unleavened loaves arranged in half on a table in the temple 
So there was a specific table used for the showbread. Six loaves on one side, six loaves on the other, and they were stacked on top of each other. And this would stay out all week long. And then on the Sabbath, the old bread could be eaten by the priests, and new bread was made to replace the old. The table for the showbread had had a little lip on the side that stood up so that the loaves couldn't fall off. So this bread would sit carefully placed so it can't can't fall. It, it would stay there for a whole week. And as I'm studying and I'm thinking there's got to be some significance to this because again if we're you if if uh, Paul who was well versed in Jewish history and in the law why would he use this word for purpose? My purpose is to be the showbread. I am a continual offering before the Lord. I am daily in His presence. I am put in a place that I am kept safe. I can't fall off <laughs> if I stay in His presence. I am without leaven because the showbread had to be unleavened bread. I must be without leaven, free from sin that causes me to get puffed up. I am to be used in the church however I'm needed. And I must be continually renewed. That is purpose. So when, I, when he uses this word and he says, so if you, all things are working for your good, if you love God, and you are called to purpose, if you are being this constant sacrifice before the Lord, if you're staying in His presence, and you are willing to be used and say, God, do with me whatever you will, and renew me on a continual basis. When we think of that, and because so often that, that verse is used just very rote, oh, all things are working for my good. But if if I am doing what I ought to be, if I am loving God and I am living according to purpose, then things are working for my good. Here's the proof in these later verses. Here's the proof that Paul's revelation is correct. It says that he foreknew me before I was born, before I had done anything sinful to hurt him or anything good to please him. Before the world began, I was known. And he predestined me. I was marked in advance to, what does he say? He says, you are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. I was marked in advance to look like Jesus. We are made in the image of God, each and every one of us. So, in essence, we are each predestined. We are each predestined to look like Christ because in the beginning, God formed us. He formed man in his image. 
So each person is marked with the look of Christ. But beyond that, we are made to look like him on the inside. And this is a beautiful thing because God knew me. And God began working things for my good even before I was good. You hear people's testimony and and those who know their own and, and don't talk about it. You can look back and see those times that you weren't doing right. And God still worked all things for your good. Those times that you didn't choose to love God. Those times that you were not living with purpose. But still, God worked everything for your good. Because we are chosen. We are marked. And then Paul says that since I am predestined, I am called. This word means called out loud by name. Since I am called, I am justified. This word means to be found innocent. And since I am justified, I am glorified. And this means worthy, honored, excellent. And if you need to rehearse this, if you need to keep that verse with you, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, he also justified, and whom he justified, he also glorified. If you need to hold on to that verse and put your name in it, because the words we speak to ourselves are important. The things that we say are important. Taking a look in verses 31 through 39, it says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Mm. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. Yea, rather, it is that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We'll look at those again, but the first thing that I want you to remind yourself in this section, so this is number three, God is for me. So say that out. God is for me. He says, what can we say to these things? Paul had just finished telling his readers that they were called and justified and glorified. Then he reminds them of the sacrifice of Christ. God has shown that he is for us by the fact that he gave up his only son. This word here, he says, Jesus was delivered up. This word means surrender or yield up. Much like Abraham 
was asked to do in the Old Testament to yield up Isaac for sacrifice. So Jesus was also yielded up. He was delivered. And God watched his son live on the earth for 33 years, watched him to learn new things and to... This was a, a conversation that we were having in our house not too long ago. You know, did, did Jesus have to learn stuff or did he did he just automatically know him because he was God that's the beauty of what Jesus did he allowed himself because he is God fully God he knows all things but he allowed himself to become fully man so he had to learn so he certainly would have gotten scrapes on his knee and he would have had to learn how to read and how to write and he would have had to learn how to have good manners and act like he ought to. Because he was fully man. He allowed himself to be. He humbled himself to be fully man. So God watched his son struggle through the life of a human. And that, in and of itself, is a sacrifice. So when we think about all that God did by allowing Jesus to come here and to suffer and to die, and then, Paul reminds us, to be raised to life, certainly, how could we ever doubt that God will provide everything else we could possibly need? How could we doubt it when He has shown us, by that one example of Christ, He has shown us, I'll give you the very best that I have. So I'm not going to spare healing. I'm not going to spare deliverance. I'm not going to spare encouragement and joy and peace. I'm not going to spare that from you when I gave you my own son. And then he says, who can bring a charge against or who can condemn the elect? This word elect here, this is the first time that it's used in the New Testament, it means select, favorite, and chosen. Because oftentimes the enemy tries to remind us of the wrong that we've done or how unworthy we are. Has that ever happened to y'all? Maybe, maybe y'all, maybe it's just me and the people watching. Because the enemy comes and he says, you're unworthy. Don't you remember what you did? Don't you remember what you did two days ago? And how can God love you? God can't be for you when you've messed up so much. But he says, who is it that tries to condemn the elect of God? No, it is Christ who died to justify us. Christ died and he rose again and is now seated at God's right, ha right hand as our intercessor so that we could be forgiven. So remind anyone who would try to remind you that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Like, you know what? You'll know me. You'll know my life. Don't, don't, try, to, don't try to bring those things back up. Because if the Lord and I have dealt with those, we could. The second thing that I want us to see in this section. So technically it's the fourth thing, but within this section. So number four. I am deeply and unconditionally loved. I am deeply and unconditionally loved. 
That's so powerful. Because maybe you don't know that. Maybe you've never heard that from anybody. Maybe you didn't have that experience that anyone told you are deeply and unconditionally loved. We see here in verses 35 and 36 that God loves us so very much. Now, there are some, and just talking about doctrine, there are some who try to use these verses to show that there is unconditional eternal security. That, well, there's nothing that can separate us from God's love. Well, it, it does say that. There is nothing that can separate us from God's love. It doesn't say there's nothing that can keep you going to heaven if you just keep sinning. So that's a whole other thing. Because the thing is, is there anything your children can do to make you stop loving them? Is there any difficulty that would arise that would uh, that would weaken your love for them? Like, oh, you messed up big this time. I can't love you anymore. No. God created us. He, he knew us before the beginning of the world. There's nothing that we can do to make him stop loving us. But do they always do what you tell them to? Nope. Do they sometimes choose to keep their distance from you? Yeah, it's, but that's a choice that they're making. It's not because you don't love them, but that's a choice. And you keep pursuing, but if they continue to make that choice, that's a choice that they make. So this is not a, a good idea of, you know, there's nothing you can do to keep you out of heaven. It's a choice that we make. But again, if we need to discuss that further, then just let me know. The way to heaven is to believe and confess that Jesus is the Lord and Savior and to live a life that is led by the Spirit. So here, Paul is addressing those who have already chosen to live their lives for Christ. Okay, God loves all people regardless of what they choose, but but Paul is speaking to those who specifically have chosen to be led by the Spirit. But here's the thing. I think that oftentimes when we try to put that put this verse into that context, we miss the point. Because more to the point, when we face things like tribulation. This means pressure. When we face distress, this means calamity or a narrow space. When we face persecution, when we face famine, and this means destitution. When we face peril, which means danger. Or sword, which means a battle or a war. When all these things come against us, or when we have to walk through them, it would be easy for us to be convinced that God has forsaken us. It would be really easy when your troubles have come, for you to listen to that voice that says, where is God? Is he even good? Does he really love you to put you through this? Does he really love you when he sees you going through? Aren't you supposed to be his child? He sees you going through this and he still 
hasn't shown up yet. Maybe you're, I'm the only one, or me and the people watching, maybe y'all haven't felt that before. But, but what Paul is doing here is giving us some tools, giving us some weapons to arm ourselves that when the enemy comes and says all this to us, we can say back that regardless of what I have to endure, God loves me unconditionally. He loves me eternally. He is only good. So when, yes, when I am facing peril and war and famine, when I have to go through distress and tribulation, it's tough, but there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. Just because I'm going through this doesn't mean that God doesn't love me. Because the enemy will try to say that. He'll try to convince you God doesn't love you. You're going through a bunch of mess. God doesn't love you. But that's not true. I am deeply and unconditionally loved. The next thing that we need to say, I am more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. Oh, come on now. Say it again. I am more than a conqueror. This word, conqueror, is only used once in all of the New Testament. It is a combination of two words. The meaning of this word, or this phrase, more than a conqueror, is to gain a surpassing victory. But it's made of two different Greek words, hooper, one of my favorite Greek words meaning exceedingly abundantly above. And nikeo meaning to subdue, overcome, or prevail. So what Paul is here saying, that you are exceedingly abundantly above an overcomer. You are exceedingly abundantly above going to prevail. You are exceedingly abundantly above going to subdue, all these issues through him who loves you. How can this surpassing victory be mine? Because Jesus loves me. Because I am loved. So we must develop the confidence of Paul who was convinced. And taking a look at 38 and 39 again, it says, For I am persuaded. And this again means deeply convinced. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we, again, develop this confidence that Paul had, who says that not death, not life, not angels, not rulers or powers or what is at hand or the expectation of what could come or barriers on high or mysteries down low or any other formation could put room between us and the love of God. So he's saying, while you are here, so looking at it, it doesn't really look like it's a verse about eternity. It means that while we are right here on earth, no matter what comes at you, be reminded 
that you're more than a conqueror when heights and mysteries and worries and anticipation and anxiety when all these things come against you understand that you are exceedingly abundantly above able to be victorious over whatever you're going through so we must use words on ourselves again when when we ask do you know who I am the Lord has shown us so plainly so keep these words in your heart. Say them to yourself whenever you need to. Write them down. Keep them in your phone. Put them on your mirror. Whatever it takes, say these things to yourself. I am a child of God. I am known and chosen. God is for me. I am deeply and unconditionally loved, and I am more than a conqueror. As the music plays... And we go to the Lord in prayer. I don't know what you've heard your whole life. I don't know what kind of encouragement you've received. And I don't know what kind of discouragement you've received. I don't know the, the people that you trusted, if they told you how great and how worthy you were. Or if they said you were no good. But God knows who you are. And we pray that he will convince our hearts. Heavenly Father, we thank you because you are good and you are great and you are perfect in all your ways. Father, I thank you that you define us and that you give us identity and that through you we can know who we are we don't have to be confused about it we don't have to wonder but God that we can know for sure Father I pray for each person who is here today each person who is watching today and each person who may be watching later I ask that your word go forth into their hearts. God, not because I've said it, not because I'm trying to convince them, but because your word says it, and your word is always true. Father, I pray that they would receive from you, that they would understand that they're chosen and called and known and loved God that you are for them and never against them that we are more than conquerors that we are exceedingly abundantly above a conqueror because of Christ who loves us Father I pray for each and every person that they would be led by your spirit that that would be our choice day by day to follow the leading of your Holy Spirit because that's the only way to make it to heaven. Father, I pray that you would give us a love for you like we've never had before. The agapeo, to choose each and every day to love you and show you that love. Father, that each day we choose to live 
with purpose. God, I ask your encouragement in each heart. Those who have been beaten down. Those who have been torn up by the enemy or even by our own words that are negative and hurtful. God, I just ask that, that you would renew our minds. That you would begin to change the words that we say about ourselves. Father, when the enemy comes in and he wants to bring negativity, when he wants to begin to say things in us that are, are wrong and hurtful against your child, we just ask in Jesus' name that each person will be reminded of your words and combat the enemy with truth to remind him that there is nothing no matter what we're going through, there is nothing that can keep us from you. Nothing that can keep us from the love that you have given and shown so freely. Father, we thank you for all your goodness because you are good and only good. We praise your holy name, God. We just ask your will be done in each and every life that we would honor you and please you in all we say and do. And Father, we pray over your people. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. And may he give you his peace. In Jesus' precious name.